Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Cassie Christopher. Cassie's a registered dietitian, an emotional eating expert, and the owner of Cassie Christopher Health Coaching. In this episode, Cassie and I talk about emotional eating. We talk about what it is, we talk about how to identify it, and we talk about how we can begin to heal from it. This is an episode that's full of value. We also talk about this concept of out of alignment eating that I believe is very relevant to healthcare providers that I think you'll also resonate with. So grab your drink of choice and join us. Welcome to the show, Cassie. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we we could connect on this topic today that I personally can relate to. I know you can as well. So I'll I'll let you take the stage. But can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I'm a registered dietitian. And uh, for me, I first noticed that I was struggling with food uh, and developed my courage to trust method um, after a stressful time in life when I was using chocolate to cope with my anxiety. Any chocolate lovers out there? (laughs) We know you're there. You don't need to raise your hands, right? Uh, And this, you know, ironically enough, was when I was in grad school studying nutrition of all things. Mm -hmm. And I would go just about every day to that school convenience store and I would buy an artisanal uh, dark chocolate bar and think, ooh, it's dark chocolate, you know, it's fancy, low sugar, all this, right? Like, it's healthy, right? Right. And I didn't realize what was going on at the time. It's often that hindsight. But at the time, 
chocolate was making me feel good. It was making me feel better. It was allowing me to maybe numb some of the discomfort of the stress and the anxiety that I was feeling. A lot of it because yes, I was in a fast paced, you know, program and, you know, weirdly enough, if uh, for any dietitians out there know the story, but like only 50% of dietetic grads get internships, you know, it, it was a stressful, uh, high paced time, but then I'm also a type A Mm. gal who I expect a lot from myself and I'm trying to be at the top of my game and the best in the class and all of that. And, you know, now I consider myself a recovered perfectionist or recovering perfectionist. Uh, but that was pre pre recovery. And so through that period of using food to manage my feelings, manage my emotions, um, you won't be surprised to hear, of course, I gained some weight. So mm-hmm. I thought, aha, I know the solution. Let me try what I'm learning in school. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in this cycle of all or nothing dieting. And that's that dieting where we either have to do it perfectly or what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, I missed my calorie goal, so I'm going to eat whatever. I'll restart tomorrow or next week. Or, you know, I already ate a cookie and I said I wasn't going to eat any, so I might as well just finish the whole sleeve of cookies. <laughs> right. <laughs> that mental yeah. gymnastics, go for it. Yeah. If it, Well, if you can't do it perfectly, then you just don't do it, right? Or yes. you sabotage it or, or whatnot, right? Exactly. Okay. And that all or nothing dieting, you know, caused me to really yo-yo between this perfect and of course, in hindsight, again, not realistic uh, plan of being versus trying to care for my emotions and eat my feelings in like a tub of whole foods guacamole. Again, mm-hmm. healthy fat, right? right. Um, but but I was using it in such a way that actually uh, caused me to disconnect from my feelings. And that's what's interesting about the all or nothing dieting is it causes you to disconnect from your physical feelings because you're using, you know, outside markers like calories or uh, the scale or things like this to tell you whether you're hungry or full. So you disconnect from the physical sensation. And then there's the disconnect from the emotional side of things because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no room for emotions in these high uh, fast paced environments. You know, I was going on into the hospital and, and working on the hospital floors and there's no time for me to cry at what I'm seeing. Uh, there's no time to feel those feelings there. And, and, you know, in many times, and I'm sure you've seen this in your experience too, it's not welcome, right? Mm-hmm. You, you need mm-hmm. to get it together, deal yeah. with it, move on. So the all or nothing dieting really kind of underscored that disconnection from my feelings, uh, both physical and emotional, because I saw how good when I was in the nothing food made me feel. Mm. And that disconnected me more from my feelings. And so in hindsight, I have so much compassion for capable grad school me. I can see how I was using food to try to care for myself because I didn't know how, I didn't have the resources. And what ended up happening was my body tried to get my attention in other ways. And so I had these debilitating panic attacks Mm. where I would wake up in the middle of my bedroom, uh, literally wake up, standing up, screaming, uh, feeling Mm. like someone was trying to murder me. Oh my it was horrifying. I mean, imagine my poor husband getting woken up by me standing at the foot of the bed screaming. Right? Like, yeah. I can laugh about it now. It's been enough time. But at the time, it was devastating. Yeah. And again, 
and, and I can see now how that happened because instead of caring for myself and nourishing myself um, with food and caring for my, my emotions and nourishing my emotions and, and learning to steward them and listen to them and you know, use them as, as helpful tools, I was stuffing them all down with food. So is and, that is that the definition of emotional eating, essentially? Is that your stuff, like suppressing your feelings and or repressing them and stuffing them down with food? Is that? That's it. Okay. Essentially, yeah, yeah. I, I talk about it as numbing or escaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's the same as scrolling or the same as Netflix. And you may, re- for people out there going, I don't know, do I do this? You know, my story, like eating chocolate every day, like it's kind of easy to see. And for some people, they know, they go, food is, uh, I've had a woman tell me food is better than Xanax. So if you feel like food is better than Xanax, then yeah. you're definitely an emotional <laughs> eater, right? You're struggling with those emotions. Okay. But I also have people come to me and say, I don't, I, you know, I'm just zoning out. I don't know what's happening. I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of any emotions associated with food. And for those people, what they often find is the food is just working so well that they're getting that dopamine. They're getting all of those feel-good chemicals when they eat. So they're actually not even aware of some of the, the more emotional discomfort that they're zoning out from. So right. this often can look like, you know, they think they're mindless eating or they're eating out of habit, that they're just snacking. And, you know, I just need to stop doing that. I need to, I should knit instead, right? Like these things, do something else with my hands. That's never going to work because the answer is actually not to just have more self-control and willpower. And that's what all or nothing dieting tells us. Right. Exactly. More self-control. You need to have more willpower, but the answer is actually to uh, cultivate the courage to trust. And this is a a method that I discovered through essentially when I realized that what I was doing wasn't working. Okay. So I want to stop you there because that's what I wanted to ask you. So in reflecting on all of this, I know you mentioned how, you know, awful it was to get up in the middle of the night and have a panic attack. But when did you actually become aware of and conscious of, of the fact that this was the role that food was playing in your life? Like, when did that happen? I love that question. And, you know, for me, it took, it took several years after that point Uh, and continuing to do more all or nothing dieting and going out and being a dietitian and, you know, putting people on diets and helping them track and going, huh, that's not working. (laughs) This is not working or it works in the short term. But I don't think it's going to keep working for this person, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. uh, and, and seeing what was working for me. And I actually got to a place as a new mom where I, I was diagnosed with some autoimmune conditions. And it was the Ritz crackers and anyone from the West Coast knows Tillamook cheese out of Oregon um, that I was using to cope at that time with, with stress, you know, again, another time in life. And I could see how uh, I actually have some, you know, food sensitivities. I have some issues where my body doesn't respond well to certain foods And, you know, I couldn't stop eating those things because those were the things that made me feel good. And so that's when I was able to see like, wow, my behavior here is actually 
really impacting my health and I'm struggling with inflammatory things that, you know, not to say that diet, that, that what you eat is going to cure autoimmune conditions. I mean, certainly we hear these miracle stories, but I think mm-hmm. it's better to set ourselves up with realistic expectations. We just don't know what our bodies are going to do. Right. Um, but, but for me, it was definitely something that I felt was not helping me, was not helping me feel better. And so that's when I realized I have to get control of this and I can't be that same old, let me just get a meal plan. Let me just figure out what to cut out. Let me just, you know, see how I can control my eating more. That wasn't working. And so I had to find a more self-compassionate approach. And that led me to counseling, to, you know, working with different doctors and asking different questions, my own dietitian. I realized I had to really unlearn the restrictive mindset where some foods are good and some foods are bad, you know, and, and even I think people in health, health and wellness often it's, it's just hard. Like we, we know like that the sugar, right. Like isn't great for us. And yet we know that kale or whatever other food is good, better for us. Um, and, and that really lends itself to that all or nothing thinking and, and the, the resulting, you know, guilt and shame of, of not living up to your own expectations that results. And so, uh, for me, I had to unlearn that that thought pattern. I had to become more self-compassionate. I had to learn to listen to my body and my own needs and, and really stop that disconnect mm-hmm. that was there. Um, and so it was a journey. And that's the journey then that brought me, like I said, to my courage to trust method. And Courage to trust, meaning that you trust that food isn't the problem and neither are you. Mm-hmm. it's the courage to trust that you can hear and respond to the cues that your body has given you instead of eating to numb or restricting to try to control and the courage to trust that you can mindfully indulge and consistently make nourishing choices. You can have both. It's not all or nothing and that you're worthy of care and love just as you are. You know, even if maybe a lot of women I work with are wanting to pursue weight loss and they feel like they can love themselves later, but no, we have to love ourselves first. And all of that then allows us to create a supportive relationship with food, our body, our health, so that we can eat with joy instead of eating to seek joy. Love that. I know for me personally, I've been on a journey of health and wellness when it comes to my nutrition. And I've experienced similarly all or none um, in combination with a a very um, like regimented workout routine and things like that. And I remember, and this is quite personal, I remember it was a few years ago and I'd lost quite a bit of weight. I put on quite a bit of muscle. I was very lean. I was at my leanest. And I remember binging late at night and I was starting to binge on ice cream. Because I had eaten so clean for like four months straight. Um, and like I said, was combining that with a, a rigorous workout routine. And I remember like thinking, oh my God, it's like midnight and I'm binging. Like my body was literally craving it, right? It wasn't something I could control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became so aware of it. And then that was when I realized that this wasn't sustainable. So for a while after that, I, I was advocating pretty strongly about, you know, how we kind of have to, like you said beautifully, like we can still indulge, but we can also be aware and also eat like healthy as well. Um, because for me personally, and I can't speak for everyone, but it was detrimental to eat 100% clean for me all the time when it came to 
you know, my, my mental well-being and also just what I was then starting to binge on, right? Like, because those foods that you start to depend on that maybe temporarily make us feel good can also contribute to some physiological changes that we experience, right, as well, um, like anxiety or, or, or nervousness or insomnia, stuff like that, I would think. So yeah, so I, I can deeply relate. So what, like, working in healthcare specifically, what have your experiences been like working with other care providers? And what do you like, I guess what I'm asking is how do people first identify, I guess you would be the one to maybe identify it when they're emotionally eating, does it kind of just sneak up on people suddenly? Um, I think you kind of mentioned that, you know, you were just going through the motions of eating chocolate all of the time, not thinking too much of it until you yeah. realized something, right? So like, are you know, does the, does, does the ramification of it come first often or is it, are people aware of it? I mean, I, I think it's really all of the above mm. uh, and, and honestly. And so the, the interesting thing about emotional eating, so I work with a lot of healthcare providers, um, nurses, doctors, dietitians, social workers. I've worked with a lot of social workers yeah. <laughs> uh, for one reason or another. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and it makes so much sense, especially I, I tend to work uh, a lot with women as well, you know, being the kind of caregiver and putting everyone else first and, you know, not caring for our own needs that can certainly uh, contribute to all of this. But uh, to answer your question, many times people will come to me and they will, once they realize that this is their issue, they'll go, Oh, you know, when I was a kid, I would go over to grandma's and she would make me spaghetti or she was my safe person. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and she would do this. You know, I have stories of my dad would go out and he would buy chocolate bars in the evening for my mom, my, me and my two sisters. Like we were a house of women and we, he would be sent out to buy us chocolate, uh, you know, to, to deal with our days or, or whatever. And so it, it is not uncommon for people who are really struggling with this to have had some emotional eating that they can point to in the past. But then uh, what often happens is they try to control that eating with dieting. And so I work with women who tend to be in midlife and beyond. And so they've had decades worth of dieting and they get to a place where they know exactly what to eat. They could write me a book. They could get honorary, you know, nutrition credentials because they know all of the things and yet they are not doing these things. Mm. So that is often the first thing that that I see is happening for people and they don't realize maybe that the reason that they can't follow through is because food is giving them that ability to, you know, escape or numb or comfort or soothe their emotions, but it's more the decades of dieting and then still not being able to have that consistent sustain sustainable behavior change. Mm -hmm. So then are you the one to consult with them on that? Or do you bring other people into that interaction? Like, do you recommend, you know, counseling, for example, to address the emotional side of it, for instance? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. And I, I try to be so clear about what is within my scope, right? And what isn't. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I will talk a lot about the nervous system. You know, that really is something that uh, ha- has a big impact. And when we eat, um, if we're not eating regularly, you know, that can <laughs> activate our nervous system more and, and, and lead to more eating or dieting itself can lead to more eating. But I, I do talk about, you know, breaking down, okay, you were in that moment and you were eating. How was that food helping you? You know, what, and I just had this conversation with a woman today. She had breakfast this morning with, with a friend um, and she found herself eating way more at breakfast than she wanted to. She knew she was doing it in the moment and she couldn't stop. So I said, you know, how is that food helping you? She said, well, uh, I was really, and, and we've worked together for a while. So she, she, you know, was, was able to identify that she felt frustrated and annoyed with her friend who, you know, is going through a really hard time. So she can't set up a boundary and be like, lady, I don't want to hear it. Uh, but also she's heard the same stories over and over again. So she's feeling, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, a rock in a hard place, right? We've right. all been there frustrated and annoyed. And so she just overeats. She keeps eating the foods there. She keeps eating it. And the food is soothing the frustration and annoyance. So, you know, so in my role as a registered dietitian, you know, it's really with, it's within my scope to discuss what are the feelings that are making you eat? You know, what are the other ways that you could manage those feelings without food? And when we get into things like, wow, this is related to childhood trauma, which happens and is very common actually for people who might be struggling with emotional eating. You know, that's when I say, why don't, let's make sure that you've got a, a counselor on board to unpack what, what happened in your childhood so that you can move forward. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's awesome. So it is within your scope to identify um, though, kind of what the the meaning behind the food was in that moment for them, right? Like you did with this, with this person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Frustration, annoyance, and really being stuck because it's not a place that she can just say, you know, no, thanks. I don't want to hear it. So we had to talk about, well, what, how can you care for yourself more next time? You know, if you're Mm -hmm. curious about the the end of the story Mm -hmm. and what she ended up realizing was in the past walks have really helped her when she's stressed, you know, movement is a great way to close that stress cycle. It's a great way to care for for, for your emotions. So she thought before she goes out with this lady next time, she's going to take a walk. Uh, and, and that's going to help her be in the right kind of frame of mind that she wants to be in to be a caring and giving friend. And she's going to have some self talk around she values this person's friendship, she wants to be a good friend to her. Um, and, you know, she might try to move the conversation <laughs> another yeah. way, you yeah. know, should the opportunity present itself. And, and she's feeling very confident for her next, you know, breakfast meeting with this person, uh, because she's got not only a plan, but she understands. And it's so interesting because in the middle of it, she goes, okay, so next time I should just have the waiter take my food away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so that is a tactic. That is a strategy. But if the waiter takes your food away and you're still feeling frustrated and annoyed, are you then just going to be grabbing the little bottles of creamer and like dumping 30 of them in your coffee cup for, yeah. for soothing? So you have, you can't just, you know, I think that's why a lot, again, a lot of people are struggling out there because they're trying to get the waiter to take the mm-hmm. food away or put their fork down between bites. Like they're doing these strategies and these tactics, but they haven't really cared for the reason behind the eating. And when you can do that, you can care for yourself in such a way so that you don't need tactics and strategies. 
Right. It almost comes like it almost seems like um kind of more of a punishment type reward in, in in their minds, perhaps, right? And that's us, I think, being not so self-compassionate through the process or trusting ourselves enough to tune into our bodies and, and knowing that we can make better choices for ourselves. Um, and, you know, out of compassion for ourselves rather than out of punishment. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, it's so interesting to me. So in the context of healthcare and healthcare workers, like, like I work in a hospital setting, for instance. So I don't know if you've had conversations with other providers that work in an organization of some sort. Like, how does it show up in the workplace? Because I'm going to tell you something. For years, I've struggled with this um, awareness that there's always food around. And, yeah. you know, and I know I'm sure educators deal with it too. Um but there's always food, like there's always donuts around, there's always cookies around, there's, you know, and it's always like junk food. Um, and, you know, sweet food, so to speak, and they are more convenient to eat. But, you know, I've been called out a few times on not indulging with mm -hmm. people. And, um, and I, I mean, I have enough self understanding and self compassion to be okay with that. And, and sometimes I, I say, I explain why and sometimes I don't, um, depending on the person. Um, but, you know, it just seems to be like the culture of healthcare to have unhealthy food around from my yeah. experiences and everybody should just indulge together. <laughs> yeah. So do, is that something you've come across or you've experienced? Oh, certainly. certainly. What's, what's behind all that? Is it just stress? Like, what is that? Yeah, you know, that's such a great, that's such a great thought. I mean, on the one hand, yes, research shows that when your cortisol is elevated, and I love this, because it's like, this is the one thing we didn't need a research paper on. <laughs> but when cortisol is elevated, you're going to choose less healthy foods. So if you're, you know, if you have a spread in front of you, you're not choosing the carrots when uh, that cortisol has you in fight or flight. And so yes, stress is definitely a big part of it. Uh, again, it's also that all or nothing thinking where people feel like I either have to have none of it or all of it because I can't be trusted around this food. And if you're feeling like you can't trust yourself around food and you've not, I think what happens is oftentimes people don't give themselves permission to indulge. It's just this mental gymnastics that they feel guilty about, you know, the, the, the reason why I deserve this reward or, you know, I, I should have just a little bit and then, well, it's all or nothing. So a little bit means I should have more. When people are indulging, they're not really giving themselves permission. They're not mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this one donut uh, and really savor it and be glad that I'm eating it, you know, with my colleagues or what have you. And misery loves company. It yeah. really does. And so feeling guilty, feeling embarrassed, um, but also, you know, getting pleasure and, and feeling good from the food, you, you want to share that with other people too. Mm -hmm. So it's really can be very complicated. But I do know that oftentimes when someone chooses to eat something or they don't really choose, they don't really give themselves it as a choice, but they're eating it, even though they don't want to be eating it. Mm -hmm. And then someone else says, no, thank you. It can feel like a judgment that mm -hmm. that person, you know, is feeling judged because they didn't actually give themselves permission to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. uh, either mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. And so it's hard. It's really hard. And, and this is where, you know, for my healthcare providers, we're always really focused on 
you know, how can we meet your basic needs with food and nutrition throughout the day, eating regularly, making sure you get your protein, making sure you have your fiber. That way you're feeling full. And the other thing is that's going to help stabilize your blood sugar. And when your blood sugar is more stable, that's going to help keep cortisol stable. It helps keep appetite hormones stable. And so you can walk into kind of a crazy situation, whatever happens to be happening on the floor that day, yeah. and then, uh, you know, deal with that and then go to the snack table and, and really make a logical decision. Like, do I want to eat this right now? Yes or no. You know, if I do, then I give myself permission. If I don't, then I say no thanks. And if somebody asks me about it, I can just say, I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really, again, like trusting yourself. Yeah. That's what trusting yourself looks like in that situation. Um, but it, it, it's okay too. I want to say that if someone's going, oh my God, I can't even imagine myself ever doing that. It's okay that you have to learn how to get there. Mm-hmm. Because again, that all or nothing dieting has done a number on the way that you think about food, uh, the way that you access your emotions, and the way that you even think about your body. You know, we live in, in, a, in a culture that uh, values that thin ideal, right? And being anything apart from that, like all of that is tied into whether or not you say yes or no at the snack table. Right. Um, and we only have so much time, right? So it literally, not a lot of us have the time to just contemplate or to really be in touch with our, our emotional side around that, I think. And um, yeah, that's that's part of the, the stress, I guess, of it. And you know, I love that that you said that because one of the most powerful tools in healing this way of being and learning to be joyful with food it's actually debriefing. It's mm. eating. It's eating more than you wanted to eat at the table, and then walking away and thinking about why that happened, what contributed to it. You know, what do you want to do differently next time? How can you care for yourself differently next time so you don't make that decision you didn't want to do? And so often, a lot of the work I'm doing with people, exactly like I explained, is okay. You ate more than you wanted to at breakfast with your annoying friend who you love and is going through something. But how can we, you know, or, or how, what can you learn from that experience so that next time you're able to trust yourself in that situation? Wow. And most people wouldn't like give a second thought to that. So it is really conscious um, awareness of it, right? And having the courage really to to share that too, I think, as well. So in general, how does stress impact our well-being? Yeah, oh, such a such a great question. Um, I, I mean, you one would only have to Google <laughs> I know it. stress and health and and be blown away, right? It, it can uh, mess with your sleep. And it's really a chicken or the egg with sleep because um, poor sleep can raise cortisol as well and make you feel more stressed. So, you know, sleep is related to so many drivers for health. It's really interesting because I know there's a bunch of nerds out there listening. I'll go on a slight tangent. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm doing a, a certification course for adult and pediatric weight management right now um, through you know a nutrition organization. And one of the things that they're finding is that sleep actually has a huge impact on pediatric obesity and is one of a, a very large driver. And I'm like, I'm just blown away by that. You know, here yeah. as a dietitian, we're always thinking about food. <laughs> mm, so true. Uh, 
Yeah. But, you know, sleep, right, like is actually a really big contributor. And so it's it's this it's the same when we think stress and impact sleep and uh, high cortisol levels then um, are usually correlated with more inflammation in the body. So now we have an impact on chronic disease risk mm-hmm. um, and, and stress is causing you know more cravings. My clients will often come to me and they're like, oh, my cravings are so strong. And if you're having these like primal food cravings, and I think everyone's had this at least once in their life, but if this is happening to you a lot where you're like, you feel like the cookie monster, right? Mm -hmm. You just that you need to get that cookie and you cannot say no. Or the alternative that the way that stress also shows up with cravings is the devil on your shoulder. Like, you know, that that cookie is in the break room or, you know, Mm -hmm. on the snack table and you've been saying no to it all day. And you've been using your willpower all day long. And it's like that little devil is on your shoulder, poking you with the pitchfork, like, come on, get in there. (laughs) And you're having to say, no, no, no. Uh, So really stress can impact, yes, your health, you know, through, through sleep. And then there's of course the feelings of anxiety Mm -hmm. and and having to deal with that. Um, And then, and then the, the, the needing to, to eat and the strong cravings. And oftentimes in my work with people, you know, we start just very simply like eating regularly and noticing, uh, trying to implement some kind of stress management techniques can be the very first step to feeling better about food because it can make such a huge difference can give you when you get rid of those cravings those strong stress cravings you have the mental clarity to actually make logical decisions about food rather than always feeling like you know it just has to happen right now and you aren't really making a choice the eating is just happening right so once somebody becomes more aware of their their thinking or their awareness of emotional eating and and how it's affecting their health and well-being. Do you have any like suggestions for people listening where even just listening to you speak right now, you're speaking their language and they're relating to a lot of what you're, you're sharing, whether, whether it was your personal story or other people's stories. Um, Like what are some steps that they can start taking today to kind of, yeah, just be a little more proactive while yeah, showing up courageously to trust themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have four parts to my courage to trust method. And the first is calming the nervous system. And I mentioned that briefly already, you know, really starting with eating regularly. And if you're someone who's, who's busy and you often skip meals and things like this, you know, even thinking about how can I get a little protein bar in there, or how can I get some sort of nutrients, some sustenance uh, in my busy day, because that's one way to help calm your nervous system. Uh, The second pillar is self-compassion. And this has come up quite a few few times. And something you said earlier, and we didn't get to go into it, was that debriefing might Mm -hmm. be hard, not only because you have to have the awareness, but you have to be willing to kind of go there. And one of the reasons that we're often not willing to go back and look at what happened is because all or nothing dieting has told us that it's our fault, that if you can't follow XYZ diet, it's because there's something wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with us. Look at all of our success stories. It's Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) And, and so we start to believe, and again, also because of weight stigma and fat phobia in our culture, like we believe that if we're struggling with food, we have some sort of personal or moral failing that we have some sort of character trait, that there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And that's simply not the truth. And when we can realize that 
you know, our food struggles are actually a reflection of us doing the best we can in the moment, that our food struggles are actually a valiant effort that our body is making to help us survive. I mean, I get that I'm romanticizing it a little bit, but we really have to realize that um, our bodies are doing the the best they can to care for us. And, And you know what? you're doing a pretty darn good job body. Uh, And so self-compassion allows us to see that and allows us to, again, trust that food isn't the problem and neither are you. And when you can trust that, then you can actually figure out, okay, well, what is the problem here? Mm -hmm. And do some of that debriefing and untangling of, you know, what were the feelings involved? What were the social expectations, you know, Mm -hmm. that were on you in that moment when you ate? How do you want to navigate that differently next time in a way that aligns with your personal values and who you want to be and how you want to live? So I love how you made that so simple that if it's not me and if it's not food, then what else, what else could it be? I love that. That to me is that's powerful enough just to go from there and debrief on that. Yeah, that was great. So keep going. So that, (laughs) sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to let you know how, uh, yeah, how great that was. Yeah. I mean, let's everyone write that in your journal. I love that. There's your debrief question. If it's not food and and it's not me, you know, what happened to cause this eating? And Mm -hmm. wow, uh, if you can approach that question with non-judgmental curiosity and and self-compassion, uh, you'll you'll get some really amazing insights. The third pillar is listening to yourself. And this is where you unlearn that disconnection from all or nothing dieting and you start to notice, you know, exactly like uh, that, that woman in the story where exactly. she noticed she was annoyed, like that, uh, that greater self-awareness and then figuring out, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, I'm at a place in my relationship with food. I, I told you kind of the origin story. And now I'm at a place where when I have a strong craving for something, this just happened last week. My daughter um, made Mickey Mouse shaped jello at my mom's house. <laughs> and they sent it home. It's lime jello too. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> They sent it home. So it's in the fridge, right? And my daughter's asleep and it's like 8 p.m. or something or 8.30, whatever. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, whoa, I am craving that lime jello, which I don't even like with everything in my being right now. Like, I want to go rip the ears off that Mickey Mouse jello (laughs) jiggler (laughs) with my teeth. (laughs) And like, what, you know, because I believe that the jello is not the problem and neither, neither am I, I'm able to go, well, that is unbelievably interesting that I want to have a primal interaction with this jello. So what then is going on? And it allowed me to notice in that moment, there was a lot of anxiety in my body. And I have strategies, you know, for dealing with that. And so I was able to care for myself differently that resulted in you know, being able to not eat my daughter's jello, which she would have been very mad about anyway. (laughs) Um, And so for me that those cravings now are a check engine light because I know how to listen to myself. I've done the debriefing so many times that I can 
usually catch it even before I get to the craving. But when I get to the craving, I can, I can understand what's going on. And, and that's where I, I'm trying to help people get. And then many of my clients get there to where they aren't struggling with binging anymore or, you know, whatever the issue is. But when they do feel like they want to binge, it's like, whoa, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just that conscious connection to it, right? Like I love how you, you were so detailed about like that experience of feeling that craving. Like I'm just thinking to myself how many times I've said, I, I sometimes I don't even think I say it. But one thing I, I did want to ask you, so I'm the type of person, not that you have to work with me right now, but maybe someone can relate to this. And you you kind of touched on it, Cassie, you know, especially working in healthcare um, or being under a lot of stress in general. I was just saying to a colleague today how she was saying how she's the type to overeat when she's stressed, right? And yeah. stuff. And I was saying that I'm actually the opposite. I've And it's so weird because it recently hit me that I'm like, why am I not so hungry? Like I'm usually a big eater. Like I love food. I love to eat. Um, I love food. Like I, I appreciate food. I have a good relationship with it um, and what it can do for me. But yeah, but I noticed because I've been under more stress lately that I haven't been as hungry. Like my body's not telling me to eat and I've been in tune with that. And is that just a nervous system, like a heightening response like you were explaining earlier then? Totally. What tends to happen, and this bears out in the research as well, is under that acute stress in particular, people might find that they aren't very hungry. But Mm -hmm. oftentimes, uh, that's not sustainable because then people would die. So our bodies... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Our bodies have developed different coping mechanisms, which is well, if not eating didn't work, let's try eating all of the things. Um, So people do tend to find that more chronic stressors, I mean, hello, the pandemic, right? Right. uh, Have uh, result in a greater appetite or, you know, stronger food cravings. So that's certainly a normal experience. Okay, got you. And one thing I one last thing I wanted to ask you about was out of alignment eating. I think you, what does that mean? Because I loved that because a lot of what I talk about on this podcast is alignment. Mm -hmm. And now when we look at the practice of eating and, you know, like, where did you come up with out of alignment? I I love that. Can you just tell me a little more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as health professionals, like we often by and large value health. And that is one of our core values and, and, you know, wanting to pursue health in our own lives and the lives of other people and really recognizing for ourselves what health looks like and feels like and, and, you know, or just what our values are. Like, what do we want for our life? For me, it's joy. You know, that's why I talk about eating with joy instead of eating to seek joy, because I want all the joy. Yes, please. And Especially, and I think just out of alignment eating just is so, uh, rings so true for health professionals because we know, right? Like we've taken the biochemistry, like we understand what's happening when, you know, we're eating the sugar and we're going, oh God, the inflammation and we don't want it. We don't yeah. want it. And so there's this extra element, I think, of feeling frustrated and maybe even defeated and maybe hopeless because 
we're doing the things that we really don't want to do. And I think that the pain there, the suffering from that experience comes from feeling out of alignment with our own core values, with our own, you know, um, things Mm -hmm. that we want in life. And Mm -hmm. so part of creating this supportive relationship with food and our body and, and health is recognizing how, what we, what, what success with food looks like for us, you know, what we're wanting from our relationship with food ultimately. And, and I think, you know, relationship with food too, is a term that I I get a lot of blank stares. Like people are like, I don't know what you're talking about, but the, we all have a way that we think about food and interact Mm -hmm. with food and assumptions and expectations on food. Just like if we were going, you know, for a first or 44th date, like there is a relationship we had there. And so, yeah, I really, I think the reason that, that eating, you know, the donuts on the, the snack table feels so like a kick in the gut for those of us in healthcare is because it just feels out of alignment with what we're passionate about. And if that's you out there, I just want people to know, again, like the answer isn't to go, okay, let's go restrict. Let's do this all dieting. Let's get back on the meal plan. Uh, The answer is to ask yourself if food isn't the problem. And if I'm not the problem, then what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. Love that, Cassie. So where can people connect with you if they want to learn more from you or just reach out to you? Is there anything yeah. you want to share in terms of what you have going on? Sure, sure. So uh, I love to share for anyone who's going, okay, if it's if you're saying it's not dieting, then what do I do? Because uh, it's, it's it, it, like you said, like, do I go to therapy? Like, right. you? like what? <laughs> I don't understand. And so if you're in that space, like I want to tackle this, but I don't know how, then you can go to cassiechristopher.net forward slash free and download my free guide. It's called you're done dieting, but still want to heal emotional eating. And it's a roadmap that lays out for you what it looks like to heal emotional eating and gives you some really tangible and practical first couple steps that you can take to get started. Um, So again, cassiechristopher.net forward slash free. You can also find me on Facebook, Cassie Christopher RD is, you know, you could type that in. And then also just for your audience in particular, I have such a soft spot and a love for healthcare practitioners. If you're wanting help, just shoot me an email hi at cassiechristopher.net. That's me. That's my only email. Um, I would love to, you know, connect with you and see how I can support you because I, I know, you know, you're doing the good hard work out there and you're probably blaming yourself and thinking there's something wrong with you. But in reality, there's not. And we can figure out what's actually going on. Love that. Thank you, Cassie. And I love how you, you brought me to, to the, the greater awareness of the systemic cultural Um, reasons for this in a way too. So I appreciate that. Any final words? I think you, I think you summed it up quite nicely there. My final word would be be kind, be kind to yourself. We think a lot about being kind to other people, but be kind to yourself. And that really is maybe the best first step you can take. Love that. Thank you so much for joining us, Cassie. Thank you for having me.
So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.